Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined today, as usual, by Kuka Hill. Find him on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. He's the site expert for pistonpower.com. Um, we're recording this night of 4 10 o'clock. The Pistons just lost to the Spurs. Pistons fall to 17 and 21. Um, they're fairly likely, I believe, to fall. There's a decent spot they fall another spot in the playoffs with this, or out of the playoffs because they're already out. Uh, Blake Griffin had 34 points, 8 assists, a couple rebounds. Andre Drummond had 19 points, 14 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. Uh, yeah, um... <laughs> Not good. Things are going bad. This season is, it's not totally gone, but it's its definitely on the brink. Um, especially considering that they're about to go on a West Coast trip that's going to be not easy. Let's see, I'll double check exactly how that goes. So they're going to play, <laughs> on a back-to-back, they're going to play the Lakers and the Kings. Then they're going to play the Clippers, then the Jazz again. Then they come back and they play Orlando, Miami, Sacramento. I mean, there's a very real chance that this season is over in, like, a week or so. I mean, like, if if things don't improve, it would legitimately be to the point where it's like, no, it's over. There's, And, you know, I'm, like, I'm about as positive a dude as they come about this team. And if they drop much further, I mean, that's that's really what we're looking at. If they drop much further, it's just a situation where just be like, nope, it's over. There's there's nothing that can be done to save the season there. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, that's not a great not a great spot to be in. And perhaps even worse because of the fact that it's not for the reason that so many of us thought it might be. It's not because Blake Griffin got hurt. Yes, it is. Well, yeah, it is for a reason some of us thought it might be. But, like, it's not because Blake Griffin got hurt. It's not because Reggie Jackson got hurt. It's just because they can't do it. Incompetence. So, obviously, last time we talked, uh, Koo had a lot to say about Dwayne Casey. Um, You know... I suppose there's no way around it. We're going to talk about that some here. Um, the main thing... Oh, no, there's never a way around it. There's never going to be a way around it. I think the main thing to probably mention here that's kind of absurd to me is... Uh, so Reggie Jackson in this game plays 23 minutes. In those 23 minutes, by the way, tied for a team high, plus six on the night. Tied with Bruce Brown at the six. Reggie Bullock also went plus five. Blake Griffin went plus four. Jose Calderon also played 23 minutes, and in those 23 minutes, <laughs> he went minus 18 in his 23 minutes. For what it's worth, it could be worse. He could be Luke Kennard, who played 16 minutes and went minus 18, or Stanley Johnson, who played 11 minutes and went minus 16, or Langston Galloway. <laughs> Langston Galloway played five minutes and went minus 16 in this game. You know how hard that is to do? That's pretty hard. To go minus 16 in five minutes of play. 
That's absurd. That is bona fidely absurd to be that bad in that limited play. So, I mean, yeah, it's that was it's bizarre. Um, the one thing that I'll give. I know Koo doesn't want to hear this. Koo is totally out on doing Casey. He's totally done. He doesn't want to hear nothing. Um, the one thing that I will give him in this game is he at least attempted to uh, to stagger the Blake and Andre minutes tonight. He just went about it in about the dumbest way possible, which not a huge shock that you know, he's sort of, he's almost like a blind man feeling along the wall. And he sort of found it, and he's like, oh, I can do this. And then he, but he doesn't actually see the way to do it. Um, so the way that he went about it was, I don't know exactly how many minutes in the row Andre Drummond played, but so he pulled, Andre and Blake both played the entire first quarter. And then Blake sat at the start of the second quarter, and Andre continued to play with a full bench unit. I think it was him. It was Jose Calderon. It was Stanley Johnson. It was Langston Galloway. It was uh, Luke Kennard. And they only played for a few minutes like that. I think it was like five minutes. I'm pretty sure those were Galloway didn't play again after that stretch. And they got slaughtered. It looked terrible. And it's just kind of like, that seems like literally the opposite of how you should be staggering these minutes. You know, like... If it's like, okay, which one of those two guys, Andre or Blake Griffin, are is the guy that you think would make the most sense is like, let's have him out there with the bench mob where he can just do all of the facilitation on offense and everything, and you know, we'll just make that work and then which one to put with the starters and sort of be a cog in the starting lineup, right? Like, obviously now Andre Drummond didn't play well in that stretch. Forest part, um, as much as I could say, you know, what what did you think was gonna happen? Uh but, no, he didn't play well in that bit. But it's just like, yeah. So, at least some credit for maybe he can, like, take the next step next time to get them switched around. And then I think that will work better um, to stagger them a little bit and then have Blake with the uh, bench mob. But, no. Uh, still, if... I mean, I guess it's not close enough because he still blew it with that. And one thing that really stood out in that stretch is just... <laughs> Lineups like that with Andre Drummond at center and just a whole bunch of guys who are just kind of guys around him with the bench units. Those lineups worked last year. Like, Stan Van Gundy was able to find a way to make those lineups work. He actually made them really good, typically. And it's just, it's staggering the difference between, if you remember those lineups from last year to this year, um, there's no ball movement, no one moves off the ball. It's just do a couple dribble handoffs, and then someone's going ISO. Oftentimes it was Andre, which obviously isn't going to work. Um, you know, when you think about last year when they did Andre point center thing, Andre was not, Andre had the ball in his hands a ton, but he was never really a primary scorer, right? Like, he had the ball a lot, he was involved in the offense, but he was not scoring a ton. And <laughs> here they basically, I mean, it, you know, it's funny because you mentioned this in your rant where you're like, if if Blake goes down, they're not even going to change the offense. They're just going to be like, well, someone else is doing this. And that's kind of what they tried to have Andre Drummond do. They kind of were like, okay, we're going to basically have you do exactly what Blake Griffin does. And it's like, 
shocking news, Andre Drummond is not able to do that. Which, once again, he could have made a couple of decisions in there that would have been better. Um, you know, even within the situation, he played poorly. But <laughs> even if he had played better, that wasn't going to work very well. And like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was brutal. Uh, the Spurs are a good bench. That's the only other thing that I can say, even in a little bit of defense to that. No. <laughs> the Spurs are, do have a really good bench. They've No. Their their bench gives a lot of teams trouble. So that that's kind of all I can say for it. Um, one, one thing we saw a little bit of Glenn Robinson tonight and no, he didn't do anything, but it was nice to see him on the floor. Uh, John Lure gave a few good minutes, scored 10 points in 11 minutes, uh, went three or five from the field, four, four, four from the line. Hopefully he can keep playing. Um, I mentioned this in, uh, the Bruce Brown piece that I wrote a few days ago, but Bruce Brown and John Luer have really good chemistry together. Uh, Luer really likes to and is really good at sort of um, finding space along the baseline. And Bruce Brown is awesome at um, finding guys in that area for passes off of his drives. So that's a nice little bit of chemistry there. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to see some more of that in the future. Um, Koo, I'm going to give you the floor for a little bit here. So here's what I don't want you to do, okay? I don't want you to go on another rant about how terrible Dwayne Casey is because we got that. We we get it. Um, instead, let's talk about some things that we think would need to happen to try and fix some stuff here. All right. So instead of you, – you can say something. I see you leaning in. There's, there's only one solution to fix this team. Uh, I mean only one. And what's that? Can you can you guess what that is? Fire Dwayne Casey. Nope. What? Because I think he's done contaminated this locker room too much to where even if he left, his he would just be left over. So like some of his stuff would just be left. That's how contaminated I feel like we are now. There's only one thing that can save the business now. You think they got blown up? Nope. Jesus Christ <laughs> would have to come back himself. Our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ himself would have to come down to this court. You would have to put on a Detroit Pistons jersey. That's the only solution for the Pistons. This season's over. I'm not. No, it's over. What are? I, I don't want to call these guys the Detroit Pistons anymore. I'm just going to call. They're, they're going to go by three names to me. Blake Griffin and his minions. Blake Griffin and his children. And Blake Griffin and his backpack. Those are the only three names I'm going. These teams, this team, okay. Will go by from okay. Here we go. A sec. All right. Here's the thing. I think that it is unfair to not include Andre Drummond in that. Fair enough. Okay. Put and his name on the side. Here's a here's a thing that's like endlessly annoying to me. Okay, because you hear all the time about oh Andre's not playing hard enough. He's not doing this enough. And none of those people seem to care when Blake Griffin plays blatantly lazy defense, like every single possession. Like there were a bunch. Of, there was one play in this game, right? It was towards the end when the Pistons were making their too little, too late comeback. But I think there were like four minutes left, so it wasn't totally over. It was like okay, you know, they're maybe right. And Blake Griffin got switched onto Demar Derozan at the very end of the shot clock. And DeMar DeRozan shot, and he missed it. And 
DeMar DeRozan got his own rebound. And I was like, that was weird. So I rebound a second and looked. After his closeout, Blake Griffin didn't even try and stop. He started to kind of slowly jog up the floor while DeMar DeRozan just nonchalantly walked in and got his own rebound because it bounced right back over to him. And, like, there were a few other possessions. Like, Andre Drummond had to guard LaMarcus Aldridge this entire game. Like, do you know why that is? Because <laughs> Blake Griffin sure wasn't guarding LaMarcus Aldridge. That's for sure. And, like, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge still had a really good game because LaMarcus Aldridge is awesome. By the way, low-key shouts to LaMarcus Aldridge because he's having a freaking phenomenal season again. And not enough people talk about that. That dude has been... You, you, <laughs> He shoots middies, though, so we can't credit him. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, well, you know, it is funny because um, last season it was sort of the same thing where it's like people are people kept being – people were confused how the Spurs were like, how are they even like kind of competitive, right? A lot of people were wondering that last year. It's like that's because they've got a freaking superstar in LaMarcus Aldridge. Like he's been incredible for them. And the thing that really stands out about him – is that he does it both ways. That's always been the underappreciated thing about him. So, like, right now he's averaging, like, 20 points, just under 9 rebounds, 2.5 assists per game. Uh, His true shooting percentage is 55.6%, which is pretty good for a high-volume score. But a lot of people look at that, and it's like, you know, "Eh, that's whatever. But you have to remember that, first off, he's doing that on real tough shots. The Spurs do not have a lot of... They don't have some high-level point guard play creating open looks for him. Timeout for you? What? Oh. I'm, I'm, I am trying my hardest. Okay, okay, Coop, go ahead. I'm let, no. You say whatever you're going to say. No, 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 no. Wait till you hear this one. Okay. And everybody listening, wait till you hear this. I am trying my hardest. Joe tells me he doesn't want me to go off. I don't want to go off. I just want to lay down. Our friend Martin just sent us a tweet quoting Dwayne Casey. In the post-game conference. Let me read you guys what this man, this man said. <clears throat> Building something, changing something, takes a little time. This city wants championships yesterday. I think we'll take a win. I, I think we'll take Reggie Jackson playing more than Jose Calderon. I think we'll take the playoffs. I think this city will take competence, not championships yesterday, Dwayne Casey. We, we would appreciate you to show somewhat, somewhat of level of basketball IQ while coaching these games. Championships, oh, trust me, trust me, you ain't got to worry about that, Casey. Championships, that that whole that whole idea went out the window a long time ago. You ain't got to worry about us expecting championships. I promise you that much. So that's that's not true. I promise you don't have to worry about that level. You don't have to be held to that level. I promise you don't have to be held to that. We've lowered the bar much more lower than you. We just like to see you call timeout at the right situation. That that's 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 where we're at with you now. <laughs> Anything else? Championship, Joe. Championships yesterday. Okay, here I'm gonna come in on this. I'm not gonna we go on. We just watch you play Reddy Jackson more than Jose. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go on a full rant like you did, uh, just because I don't think I could top that. But this is something I've been thinking for a while. Um, and so I I tweeted this during the game um, 
with uh, in an interaction with uh, Pistons Brazil account, which I also said this tonight, but like shout out to all of the foreign language Pistons Twitter accounts. Like, can you imagine having no local connection to this team and still rooting for them? <laughs> so shout out to all of them. They're all lovely. We appreciate all of you. Uh, but so is this idea. Okay. So that quote that you just said there about how building something and a lot of people have said, you know, well, it's not his roster. It's not his guys. Okay. That is, <laughs> that is the, I, that excuse doesn't fly with me even a little bit. Like, it's not like this is a group of guys that none of them have experience together. Or they're all in really different roles. Like, it's not like this is a 2015 Pistons, right? Where, okay, what? Oh, he's getting up and going somewhere. But it's not like this is a 2015 Pistons where Reggie Jackson is a starter for the really the first time. He obviously had spent some time with the Pistons previous season, but he's a starter for the first time really in his career. Uh, Marcus Morris is a starter for the first time in his career. Andre Drummond's finally getting to play without, um, you know, with a power forward who can actually like shoot for the first time in his career. Uh, KCP was a full-time starter, although he'd kind of been a full-time starter the previous season. Right, and then you have um, Stanley Johnson, who was a rookie that season, et cetera, et cetera. Right, Aaron Baines was a full-time rotation player for the first time in his career. Right, like that Pistons team, where you've got a bunch of guys who are in brand new roles, brand new to the team, et cetera, et cetera. That would be a situation where it'd be like, if that's the sort of roster that the Pistons had this year, okay, where it's all these new guys and new situations, where it's like we're putting a bunch of dudes in different ways and we're not sure how they're going to respond. Um, then I'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, you're going to try some stuff, and some of that stuff is going to not work. But <laughs> there's a just because they're not his guys, like, okay, Dwayne Casey has never run pick and rolls as a coach, right? Like, that's just, that's just the truth. The Raptors over the past however many years, they just, what? What does he run? <laughs> not much. <laughs> Well, like, continue. Okay, so it's like, all right, Dwayne Casey doesn't run a lot of pick and rolls. He's never, that's never been his style of coaching, right? But like, <laughs> just because, well, it's not really rostered to Dwayne Casey's coaching style. Like, your second and third best player are both at their best in the pick and roll. So why are you not letting those two guys run pick and rolls? I don't think that Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson ran a single proper pick and roll in this entire game. Like, I mean, Reggie. that again. I don't I do not they might have had like a couple kind of but not really. I No, no, no. The, the, whole the, the word he used was a proper pick and roll for all of yeah. you out there who were in my mentions and for all you out there who want to sit there and act like, "Oh, we, we do kind of do it." No. Doing doing a, a dribble handoff on the wing just to then give the ball to Blake is not a pick and roll. That yeah. is not a pick and roll. I'll say it one more time. It's not a pick and roll. Go ahead, Joe. I'm, uh, go ahead. But, you know, like, that's not a situation where it's like, well, you know, they're not really his guys and he's learning the situation. Like, no, this is not, it's not like these are guys that's like, well, we're not sure what they're good at. We know exactly what Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson are good at. It's like, we've known for, I, I think, really, like, two years ago, we pretty much gave up on the idea of Andre Drummond being capable as, like, a real scorer as far as like creating for himself, right? 
like between his offensive rebounds and as a role man and such, he can still score. But I think pretty much as an organization, we're kind of like, okay, yeah, he's not going to be that, right? We all knew this like two years ago. And yet Dwayne Casey has shown up and he's like, you know what I think we should do with Andre Drummond? We should try and make him create a whole bunch of his offense. And we brought up the number on the last podcast. Like 50% of his buckets are assisted. That's absurd. <laughs> For a guy who's like him. And it's kind of like, and once again, okay? <clears throat> once again, because I know that there's people who are like, well, if Andre wasn't so selfish to try and create for himself. We know from last season, right? Andre Drummond is not sitting around bitching about not getting enough post-ups. Before the Blake Griffin trade last season, they literally completely cut Andre Drummond post-ups out of the out of the offense. It they never did it. It was gone. There it wasn't there. And Stan Van Gundy, who once again not exactly a guy who is known to mince words, he said, "No, Andre is never a guy who's going to complain about not getting enough shots up. He likes to have the ball in his hand. Some he likes to be involved, but he's never complained about shot attempts." So. We know that Andre is fully okay with and capable of playing in such a way where he's not doing this, and yet they're still having him do this. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's just the whole, oh, it's not his roster, they're not to his style. Like, that doesn't fly with me. It just doesn't. I mean, they hired him because of the fact that they're like, this is the coach of the year, we want to win with this roster. Because they knew that it's going to be incredibly difficult to make any significant changes to this roster anytime soon, at least. right? The earliest you can really make a significant change is coming offseason, unless you give up future assets. And even then... You can make a significant change tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, it's going to be difficult, okay? Like, when they hired him, they have to have had that in mind. Of that we think this is the guy who's got the best chance of coming in and making this work now. So it's just like, and that's the biggest thing though. It's like, these are not some unknown guys. We know what Reggie Jackson's good at and what he's bad at. We know what Andre Drummond's good at and what he's not good at. We know what Reggie Bullock is good at and what he's not good at. We know what Langston Galloway is good at and what he's not good at. Etc, etc, etc. Like... There's a certain amount of this where I do have some sympathy for Dwayne Casey. Like, on the wings, for instance, it's not abundantly clear that other than Reggie Bullock, they really have a good option. Um, Bruce Brown has continued to actually be pretty effective as a starter, which <laughs> I'm still not totally sure that I'd buy into that long term, but it's worked so far and the sample size is getting larger, so maybe, but... Even with that, that's kind of like, a well, he's making it work. Um, you know, he, they've tried a bunch of different combinations. I, and for what it's worth, okay, and just so that we're being fair here, neither of us have sat here and complained a whole bunch. I know that we've generally thought Luke Kennard should get more minutes than he's gotten a lot. But we haven't sit here and complained gratuitously about Dwayne Casey's wing rotations, right? Like, the only thing we've said is that's like Luke Kennard should probably play more than Langston Galloway. Which is true. I think Luke Kennard should play more than Langston Galloway. But it's like, because guess what? The wing rotation is, that's a hard question. I, I'm not upset with Dwayne Casey for having struggled to figure out the best wing rotation for the Pistons. But playing Reggie Jackson more minutes than like Jose Calderon, that's not a hard question. Especially since, once again, in this game, right? Reggie Jackson, in 23 minutes, scored 14 points on 10 shots. 
Shot 6 of 10 from the field. He had just one assist, no turnovers. He did have a little bit of foul trouble. Not too bad, though, earlier in the game at least. And he only played 23 minutes. He was tied for team high plus 6 in those 23 minutes. And still only played him those 23 minutes. It's just, it's pretty baffling. And so once again, it's like, look, there are there are some things that I have sympathy for him with this team, right? There is there's a good chance there's not a good option on the wing rotation other than Reggie Bullock. That may well be true. I'm not going after him for that. It may well be that the backup big spots, there's no good option there. Okay, that is all true. But there's some stuff that's like, nah, man. There's you don't get to use that as an excuse here. It's like, well, we're built, we're we're building something bigger here. Like, no, you're not. You just want to pretend you are because you did that with the Raptors. Like, no, you didn't do that. Kyle Lowry learning to shoot threes did that. Demar Derozan becoming one of the best wings in the NBA did that. Not you. Dwayne Casey, they're better now. They're better without Dwayne Casey. And they also have Kawhi Leonard. That helps, obviously. But, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, Koo, say something, man. (laughs) I don't don't know what else I can say. (laughs) Trash, he's garbage. He's awful. He should be fired. Okay, seriously, though. Like, give us some stuff that you think. Hypothetically. I don't have nothing to say. Hypothetically. That you would like to see change schematically, rotation-wise, whatever, no, to try. No, I'm being like I don't. You, everyone, you think I'm trolling? I'm being serious. I don't. I don't I, think you're trolling even a little bit. I, I know you're being like, serious. You say what kind of scheme changes? Would I like to see. I'd like to see a scheme. That like I, I'm. This is not a troll. I'd like to see a scheme. There's no schematic changes. I'd like to see something. Okay, so if they put a scheme in place, what would you like it to be? More ball movement. Incorporate Andre more with the dribble handoff. Try to make it a little bit more like last year. Try to have make it to where Blake isn't dying every possession. I mean, I, Joe, I I don't know what you want. A little bit more pick and rolls. Now, just a little bit, Dwayne Casey. If that doesn't hurt you, I'd like to not see Jose Calderon play the same amount of minutes as Reggie Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty obvious. I also I'm not totally ready to do it yet. But I may be on the border of having to having to wave a white flag as far as saying Jose Calderon is going to do just fine. <laughs> you know what? You know what else? I'm going to wave a white flag on. Not only should Joe wave a white flag on that, I'm waving a white flag on Stanley Johnson's career with the Pistons. Oh, I mean, I'm not waving my flag on Stanley Johnson himself. I believe he'll go somewhere else. I still believe in it. But in his career with the Pistons, I've waved the white flag. That's all you're going to get out of me out of this podcast. Everything else will just be simply Dwayne Casey's awful, and I'll just keep describing how he's awful. Well, I mean, his career with the Pistons, the thing that, the thing that makes me not say that for sure is, first off, he does still fill a need that the Pistons have, which is that big wing defender. And because of their salary cap situation, he may remain just, he may well remain their best option um, to keep around next year, just because they're going to need to find a way to get someone on the cheap who can play rotation minutes on the wing. And 
there's a decent chance that he ends up being that. Um, they do... I do think they kind of have to... They definitely have to be looking at the possibilities for trading him, though, I think. Because if they can find a team who can... Um, if they can find a team who's who'd be willing to... You know, who'd be willing to give a rotation guy back, like a two-way rotation guy? I think you kind of would have to think about it. I mean, the Pelicans have sniffed around him a bunch. Like, what if you could get Tim Frazier or Darius Miles or whatever for him? Um, Not ideal, but I I do think that that may be just. (laughs) We lost. Um. There's one thing. I'm trying to bring something up here a second. I have a lot of jokes bringing that up. I'll just say this. Stanley Johnson took four shots tonight. Three of them were threes. He's continuing to take more than 50% of his shots from three. There's just no point. Just don't have him here. <laughs> yeah, if you're just, if, if Dwayne Casey, and like I said to Joe last time on this last podcast, and I ran to Stanley Johnson obviously isn't the best offensive player. But not having no scheme at all and just having him shoot threes obviously isn't going to work either. So I, I have, I've lost literally all hope that he could ever figure it out here because I don't believe there's even something set up to even have anybody succeed here. So he needs to go. Yeah. Joe, have you found it yet? No, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. But so I was just – I've continued to think a lot about this idea that a lot of people have put around about how, um, you know, well, they're getting open shots, right? And I was curious about something. I started looking at, um, like, percentages of, and I I can't freaking find it, and I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm trying to find the percentage of shots that are three-point shots that are corner threes. Because it seems to me like the Pistons players don't take very many. And I can they have it on basketball reference for individual guys, but I'm trying to find team rankings, and I'm struggling to find it. I probably should have tried to find this before the before the podcast, but we don't <laughs> we don't really do much much preparation for it. But regardless. Especially before this. The Pistons yeah. The Pistons don't get a lot of corner threes. Um one thing on that note, by the way. Bruce Brown is shooting like 36% from the corner on three-pointers. So there's a small little little something to make us feel a little bit better about, <laughs> about things. Uh, but, no, it's just like they're still not getting the right, the right shots for the right guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing that is extra frustrating is that Blake Griffin continues to be brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, for my question, for my you know comment earlier about his defense, like I, his closeouts are pretty gratuitously terrible. But it's like, guess what? When you have a superstar who does as much as he does, you have to live with some kind of lazy defense. And I mean, it, I say a similar thing with Andre Drummond, which is that guess what? There's going to be some plays that he's going to blow it, like just. When you ask a guy to do as much as Andre Drummond does, I mean, he played the in the opening of this game. He literally played like the first twenty minutes of the game straight. He played seventeen straight minutes. Yeah, like, 
You know, I he mean, was clearly gassed for at least four minutes of it. But guess who kept him in the game? Yeah. So it's like, and look, it'd be great if everyone could be Tim Duncan, where it's just they're the superstar, they're the best player, and they still do all of the little stuff right every single play. Guess what? There's a reason that Tim Duncan is legendary in that respect. It's just <laughs> that's not something that most guys do. So. I'm not really trying to rag on Blake Griffin too hard with that. It's just it's just funny to me how everybody rips and rips Andre Drummond for that. And it's like, oh, and Blake Griffin's the only guy worth anything on this team. It's like, Blake Griffin is the most serial offender of not giving a single crap about stuff on defense. He doesn't box out diligently all the time. Like, he's the guy who's worse about that than anyone else on this team. That's one of the reasons why it's a little bit ironic when he gets upset at other guys for missing defensive rotations and stuff. I'm always a little bit like, you know, Blake, maybe you should not give anyone else crap about their defensive rotations. You know, just a, just a thought there. But, no, look, I mean, freaking 34 points on 24 shot equivalents with eight assists against three turnovers. That's brilliant. There's no other way to put that. And he did it in a loss. Andre Drummond, 19 points on 15 shot equivalents with 14 rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block. That's brilliant. They just can't get enough out of the rest of the team. And I don't know. It's it's not good. It's, I told you guys in the last pod, Dwayne Casey actively, I said actively, makes the rest of the team worse. I'll stand by it. He continues to do this because, like Joe said, doing, uh, Stan Van Gundy was doing this last year with the majority of the same roster, and it wasn't like this. You guys want to talk about I'm telling you guys right now, I'm just going to keep using him as an example because, obviously, this is, who I, this is my guy. You want to talk about Stanley Johnson? You, you want to talk about Stanley Johnson struggling? Even when Stanley Johnson struggled last year with Stanford Gunny, I don't ever remember him coming out here just shooting 0 for 5 multiple times. He usually at least got a bucket up. Hey, this is this is this has got awful. This is this has got not just Stanley. We got you got Langston Galloway for some reason. I can't you know what, Joe? I'm trying I'm trying my hardest to give some kind of analysis without spazzing, but I just can't do it. Dwayne Casey's just awful. I I don't know what else to say. He's just he's ruining the season. Okay. So. Randy Jackson, everybody, for real, played 23 minutes. This is this is this is something that actually happened, guys. Jose Calderon played the same amount of minutes as Reggie Jackson. Speaking of Reggie Jackson, he threw down a dunk in this game. He's starting to look yeah, a little he, bit more. It looked spry. like he was just doing it. As soon as he threw it down, he just turned around. It looked like he just didn't give a damn anymore. It was almost like he did it just to show everybody. Yeah, I'm here, but you know, I'm not being you. So hey, here you go. You know. You know, it's gonna be frustrating is this offseason or maybe even before that some team is going to get Reggie Jackson for nothing like maybe the Suns who they've been desperate for a point guard for a while they'll get Reggie Jackson for like a conditional second round pick that's never really going to convey like it's top you know top 59 protected or something like that and he's going to get there and he's going to be really good and the Suns are going to be thinking Man, <laughs> we got this guy for nothing, literally. We didn't give anything to these guys. And that's what it's going to be. And that's going to be frustrating to me. And we're still going to be stuck with Dwayne Casey. I mean, 
Joe, I'm sorry. I'm so I just I told you this wasn't gonna be a, I, I wasn't in a good mood. It just it's just is what it is. He's he's ruined every he's ruined my whole mood about the Detroit Pistons. Okay. Well, so if you're not gonna no I'm okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I have no hope. You have no hope. This, Joe said Joe said that this season may be over in a week and a half. I believe it's over now. Well, okay. Mar- so here we go, all right? So let's think about this, right? So next up, they're going to the Lakers. The Lakers don't have LeBron. They've been playing really poorly. They're not going to have Doesn't LeBron have. yet. So let's say beat the Lakers, who have not been playing well. After that, you're going to Sacramento, second night of a back-to-back, third game in four nights. The Aaron Fox will piece us up. Not great. But the Kings, and they're tough, but they also have not been playing well recently. They've lost... One, two, three, four. They've lost five of their last six, and they will be on the third night in four games, although I think they're playing Orlando right now. So what's the score in that game? Nine to eight. Okay, they only just started there. So they're playing Orlando right now. They'll play two games before them. But so the Kings have not been playing great recently. And even when they were playing well, they were only, like, pretty good. And they also will not be super well-rested, just like the Pistons. Um, so, you know, maybe. And then, cool, you don't laugh at me. Then you go play the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers are not as good as people think they are. <clears throat> people want to believe that they're good because people like the Clippers and people kind of want to believe in Joe, them. Joe, I'm sorry. I have to stop you. I just have to. Can you please just make sure you're keeping in your mind, like saying this to the audience, as you're saying all these teams aren't that good. Okay. Just make sure you keep okay. saying the Pistons. The Clippers, and also the Clippers actually are good. You know, one thing that is kind of good. funny to me, okay, is so like, there's been a lot of talk about Tobias Harris, right? And rightfully so. He's played really well for them. But like, <laughs> no one's mentioned Danilo Gallinari. That dude has been awesome. He's been, and honestly, he's been, he's been better than he's a demon. Tobias Harris. But, and, you know, on that note, by the way, here's a little bit of a side rant, okay? Because I've heard people say, ha ha, the Pistons traded for Blake Griffin and they're still worse than the Clippers. The Clippers were better than the Pistons last year, too. Like, and Blake Griffin missed a bunch of games. Danilo Gallinari barely even played last year. Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, rather than, now, Shy Gilgis Alexander has played well for them. He's been good. Um, but, I mean,. Honestly, I'd kind of, if I were the Clippers, I would have trouble not thinking at least a little bit about, like, if we still had Blake Griffin, especially the way that he's playing this year, I wonder if this Clippers team could be, instead of sort of like a plucky team that's better than we thought, like, could they be a legit contender? I mean, they might be able to be, right? Like, if they had this Blake Griffin, this Blake Griffin that's happening right now, Okay, I think they'd probably be able to be a legit contender. But so, anyways, okay, so we'll take a loss, all right? So we're two and one on this road trip. And then you play Utah. Utah's kind of meh, right? They lost them a few days ago, obviously, but still kind of, kind of meh, all right? So we'll just we'll just say they pull it together there, and then they come back and you play Orlando, Miami, Sacramento again, then Washington. Okay. 
And then also after that, you get the Pelicans who play like trash, although Anthony Davis always kills them. Dallas, who's kind of meh. Milwaukee, and then Dallas again. So, hypothetically, they could turn this around to the point that we go into the All-Star break like, eh, We're going to win only two of those games. Oh, no. Cool. You heard it here. Cool. Don't say that, man. Don't, Yo, don't say that. I've seen not even a little bit of evidence that makes me think that we're going to win any of those games. Okay. So, I'm just saying, though. All right. If that happens, guess what? We'll be going to the All-Star break, and the season's over. Okay? It's over. There's nothing left to do. Um, so here we go, all right? Here's a thought process then here, all right? What about an idea of essentially, I, I don't know what for sure how it would work. What if you basically did a single season stealth tank, basically? No. Nope. And you just, you shut down Blake Griffin the rest of the season. I mean... I don't think they're going to do this, but you shut down Blake Griffin. You can probably shut down Andre Drummond. I don't know. And do you just do that for the, I'm kind of like what the Pelicans did a few years ago with Anthony Davis, where they just didn't play him the last like two months of the season. And you just lose the rest of your games. You get a top five pick. Come back next season. You've got a new point guard. You've got new wing players. Hopefully a top five pick. And you go from there? Like, do you think that's the answer? I, I don't know, Joe. I, I, I think that would have to be. Okay, well. I don't think that's actually going to happen. I don't think that would be ever. I don't, I don't either. Think I think there's no chance that they Yeah, I don't think that throw that's even close to like a chance with Tom Gores. I think, you know, it's kind of ironic, but if they do keep losing, right? Okay, so let's just say they go on this road trip and they win, like, so they play the Lakers, the Kings, the Clippers, and the Jazz. So let's say they go one and three there, okay? So then they'd be at what? 18 and 24. They're probably three or four games out of the playoffs at that point. Nothing's looking good. At that point, your best hope, honestly, may be that Blake Griffin gets hurt. All right, come on, Joe. Come on. Well, they're not going to shut him down. So, I mean, well, if he gets hurt, that means he may not be the same next year. No, like I'm saying, like, what if he goes and, like, I don't know, what if he punches another trainer and just hurts his hand? You know, nothing too serious, just he can't play now for the rest of the season. Bro, I, I think that you should think about the fact that we're having this conversation. I mean, I am. I realize that we're in a dark spot that we're having this conversation, but that's almost what we have to hope. Um, all right. So if you're, you're not, you don't, you don't have any interest in it. Fair. I just, I, I just, I, um, I, I'm gonna, here's a few things from, from Joe, right? Some things that I think could change to help. So we've beaten it to death. Obviously thing number one, let Reggie Jackson run some pick and rolls with Andre Drummond, preferably. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's an obvious thing. This shouldn't be that hard. We're not asking to reinvent the wheel here. Just do that. That will help. Thing number two, I think, like we mentioned at the start, at the very least they got the first step to this of trying to stagger um, Blake and Andre a little bit, but stagger it the other way. Um, Have Blake sort of anchor a full bench mob unit and then 
let Blake sit and have Andre and Reggie Jackson sort of do the do the pick and roll thing with the other starters plus either John Luer or um honestly I'd probably rather have John Luer in than Stanley Johnson with that unit at the four spot. But whatever. You could also do Stanley Johnson there or whatever you want to do, but then sort of let them do their thing for a few minutes while Blake sits. Um that will help you a lot. That'll help stabilize your bench units. Um and I think it's probably you know what, I'm just gonna do it. Okay. I don't do this very often. I think I'm gonna eat uh I'm gonna just take the L with Jose Calderon. Um he had been sort of keeping things afloat before the last few games where it was like, yeah, he's not putting up great numbers, but he's not it's not going as bad it's not going that badly. He's having some decent stretches and such. Like at this point, I think his plus minus Average is like down to like gonna be down to like minus five or six. <laughs> Steve Blake has returned. Yeah, so I I'm yeah I think I'm just gonna take an L there, boot him from the rotation, um just do something else. I don't care. You saw Bruce in the point guard position today. Yeah, play play Kyrie Thomas, play whatever whatever you've got to do. Br- call up Keenan Evans. Oh, wait, there you go. We have a topic to talk about real quick. Okay. That won't involve me being sulking and just okay. wanting to jump off my house. Uh, you know, the one game that I just, I just cut off because I couldn't do it no more was the game that Kyrie, Kyrie Thomas scored uh, 13 points. Now, Joe, you watched, the, you watched it, I'm assuming, correct? I did. I, I didn't watch that game live. That was during my hiatus, but I did go back and watch it, though. So... I didn't watch it, but I just have a question. Um, Dwayne Casey decides to give him a shot. We're losing, obviously. It's not like it was a competitive game, but he gives him a shot. He performs well, scores 13. Why have we not seen him since? Was it a fluke 13? Was he doing it nasty-like? Was he just not playing well and he got 13 off, like, breakaways? Like, what was going on? What was the point of giving Um, him a shot if he plays well and then not play him again? I think that's actually one that I'm not going to pin too badly on Dwayne Casey because – you know, it's a little bit like with the Langston Galloway situation last season where, okay, so we're going to play Kyrie Thomas. Um, now, Jose Calderon has fallen to the point that I'd rather play almost anyone over him. Um, but, like, who is he replacing in the rotation on the guard spot? Are you taking away Langston Galloway's minutes? Are you play- taking away Luke Kennard's minutes? Are you taking away Stanley Johnson's minutes? Are you taking away Bruce Brown's minutes? Um, and that's kind of the way that you have to think about this. Uh, once again, I'm at the point that now I still <laughs> I still keep thinking about the fact that Jose Calderon probably didn't just forget completely how to shoot threes. Um, and if he does continue to play, he'll probably hit a few at some point. But no, it's just no, like no, it's over. he's not, you know, I'm. I'm okay with just booting him and putting whoever you want there. If that's the case, then yeah, let's play Kyrie Thomas some. But I don't know that he's better than Langston Galloway. Um, trusting Galloway over Kyrie Thomas is a fair thing for Dwayne Casey to say, and I certainly don't want him playing over Luke Kennard. Um, I think he maybe brings a little more on the offensive end than Bruce Brown, so I wouldn't have hated. I mean, certainly if you'd asked me before... Bruce Brown really busted into the rotation, which was when they basically made him a starter, what, two weeks ago now? 
two, three weeks. Yeah, like two weeks ago. Um, if you had told me which one of these guys would you like to see as a long-term, as a starter for a significant stretch, I'd probably be like, I'd probably rather have Kyrie Thomas start. But at this point, I mean, it's kind of working with Bruce Brown. I don't totally get it. But, hey, um, <laughs> they've got at least one thing going for them that's working. So I I wouldn't, unless that starts to change, I wouldn't want to play him over Bruce Brown. Uh I wouldn't. I do you want to? Are you bumping Stanley Johnson from the rotation for Kyrie Thomas? I mean, Joe, so at that at this point, uh, you know what? Let me not comment on on Stanley <laughs> because I don't want to make it seem like that. I'm not. I'm jumping off the Stanley Johnson ship. Okay. But. Well, so that's that's the basic point, though. So he did look good. Um, I've absolutely loved what I've seen of him in Grand Rapids. Uh, so he guy. did. That was my question. Did he, like? Did he? Was it a, a fluke look no, good? No, not a fluke look, look good. Um, it was mostly, honestly, you know, it's funny. It was mostly exactly what he did in Grand Rapids. He just he comes off screens, um, you know, sort of on curls and such, and he shoots, and he's good at it. And you know, he's not like he's he's a good defender in a different in kind of the opposite way from Bruce Brown. Other than that, they're both really strong. Um, Kyrie Thomas is very strong, just like Bruce Brown is. But um, you know, Bruce Brown is this sort of just overwhelming athlete, right? Uh, Kyrie Thomas is not a super athlete, but he's just he's really smart. He's strong. He knows what he's doing. He communicates really well. So I think with so why not play him over Langston Galloway? Uh, I mean, <laughs> look, I wouldn't hate it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be too hard on Dwayne Casey for trusting Galloway. Well, no, not, they don't have to be so don't have to be hard on. But I, at this point, I don't see why we don't play him over Langston. Well, like, here's, Langston only played five minutes. Yeah, here's the here's the biggest argument for it is that Langston Galloway has not actually played that well at this point this season. He's only shooting. This is actually kind of crazy. Because it doesn't seem like it, but Langston Galloway is only shooting 33% from deep this season, which is well below his career average. So I trust that that's going to come up at some point. Um, so I don't know. Just Galloway is enough of a proven player. I Here's probably the best way to put it, all right? If Kyrie Thomas got into the rotation, and even with the fact that Galloway is not shooting very well from three compared to what he usually shoots, um, even with that, if Kyrie Thomas got into the rotation and gave the same amount of production that Langston Galloway has, we'd be we'd be thrilled, right? Like, I mean, there's no way around that because even though his efficiency hasn't been very good, um, Galloway, I and mean, let's be honest, Galloway has been really the only <laughs> scoring option off the bench for a lot of his minutes, and he's been asked to do more than he probably should. And, you know, if Kyrie Thomas came on and was doing that, I'd be thrilled, and when you when it, that's really what it is. So when you think about it like that, and it's like okay, the upside here is Langston Galloway, whereas the downside would be much worse. So I wouldn't hate it. I would be if the Pistons decide to trade um, Stanley Johnson, or if they could find someone who would take Langston Galloway. Um, and that meant that Kyrie Thomas is now in the regular rotation, I'd be like, okay, I can get behind this. But I'm just, no, nah, I'm not going to blame 
KC for not playing Kyrie Thomas. Um, I'd say if Kyrie Thomas gets to play and he looks good, let's just take that as a, this is good, this is good for the future of the team, and not take it as a, this guy has to be playing. Just because I don't. I, yeah. That's how it is. <laughs> um, so, further yeah, stuff. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say on there? Because otherwise I'll keep going. No, go ahead, keep going. I'll, I'll chip in if, uh, if I hear something. Okay, so what have on. I said, right? So, more pick and rolls. Stagger Andre and Blake, but the opposite way from the way they did in this game. Um, and then boot called Rome from the rotation, pretty much. Um, hmm, what else would I say? Um, another thing is I think John Lohr has to be in the rotation now. And I think one thing with that, and I we touched on it a little bit earlier, um, Bruce Brown and John Lohr really play well together. Um, they've got good chemistry, and oh, I should have looked this up. I'm not going to bother to because it's a pain to get to. But um, so with uh, the piece that I did on Bruce Brown, I included quite a few video clips, and I got those all from the site Three Ball, which compiles all these things for you, right? And so I just clicked assists. I think Bruce Brown has probably thrown more assists to John Luer than anyone else, and. Like it really shows when you look through it, and he had he had a couple of nice passes to him in this game. I think they've really got good chemistry, so I'd like to see, I'd like to see more minutes with Bruce Brown and John Luer on the floor together. Um, I'd prefer to play John Luer at center over Zaza Pachulia, but with the way Stanley Johnson is now playing it, I wouldn't. <laughs> They may be better off to let Zaza play when he's ready to go and then have Lure take the backup four minutes. But, yeah, I think Lure has earned a shot to be fully in the rotation going forward. Um, he's played pretty well. He's hitting shots. He does things that they can use. And I hope that his minutes are with Bruce Brown as much as possible because I think they've got a good thing going. Um, there's a little bit with those two, there's a little bit of the... Um, of um, Stanley Johnson and Aaron Baines and Stanley Johnson's rookie season. There's a little bit of that vibe that I'm feeling with those two guys. So, yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's a thing they should focus on. Um, then, hmm, what else should they do? Somehow they got to convince Blake to to give at least a little bit of a crap on defense um, because. You know, it's funny. I've just brought up earlier. I'm like, I'm not going to be too hard on him for that. His defensive effort has noticeably dropped a bit over the past couple of weeks. That's far from their biggest issue with this losing streak, of course. Far from the worst thing. But it's definitely contributed a bit. Um, And we've talked about it with regards to Andre Drummond, right? Which is that it's possible for Andre Drummond to be good at defense and be a plus defender while he's still not like you know, he's not a all-world defender who's just going to plug whatever holes come up. And when Blake Griffin plays as poorly on defense as he has over the past couple of weeks, Andre's just, he's not the caliber of defender who can just plug every hole that comes up. And it's just like, it doesn't matter that Blake, you know, is a matador on defense sometimes because Andre will cover up all of it for him. Um, He has to show better effort. And in particular, and this really showed up tonight, Um, because, here, let me see. I should double-check that this actually happened before I start spouting some nonsense if it isn't actually true. 
So the Spurs as a team had nine offensive rebounds, which isn't a ton by most team standards, but the Spurs usually totally punt on the offensive glass, so that's pretty noticeable. Jakob Podel had four in particular, um, which, once again, I'm going to double-check this, just to make sure I'm not spouting some utterly non-true nonsense. I've always got to be careful with that because there's some like sort of narratives you get in your mind about teams, and then sometimes it ends up not being true. So, okay, nope, never mind. Scratch that. Not true. The Spurs average nine offensive rebounds per game. Um, however, Jakob Pertl specifically averages like two. But, okay, so I guess it's not really true. It's just what I saw. Sorry, my numbers were wrong. The numbers do not support what I'm about to say. But there were several times where Blake had to go out and contest people, particularly LaMarcus Aldridge, because he was defending LaMarcus Aldridge. And they shot it, and then obviously Andre Drummond's not there to clean the glass. And that's got to be Blake Griffin's time, right? And Blake Griffin only had two rebounds in this game. Like, if Andre Drummond has to defend a guy who can shoot so he's not around to get all the defensive rebounds, that's really got to be, that has really got to be Blake Griffin's time to, um, you know, time to step up and, and really, really, really get, really help clean the glass. Um, so that's another thing. It's just they've got to get him to give at least a little bit of a crap on defense because that would help them a lot. Um, and then last thing is, do you have to, you, I think they have to be willing to put some more structure in the offense. And this is probably the most hopeless thing to hope for. Um, but like, so Dwayne Casey said before, they don't run plays, they run concepts. Um, they need to add some more structured concepts to guys off the ball. because So a lot of people have brought this up that you know Bruce Brown really moves off the ball. First off, part of the reason is that no one guards him at all, so <laughs> no one's even pretending to guard him, so no one's watching him. So it's like, well, he's got to go somewhere because he's not doing any good where he is. But I think that they need to add more constructed um, off-ball movement, some stuff like that, and then connected with that, I want to see more stuff where they sort of use Blake, the threat of Blake, instead of just giving the ball to Blake and letting Blake do everything, do more to use the threat of Blake off the ball, right? Because so he's a proven shooter now, right? Teams are going to guard him on the perimeter as a shooter. They have to. They have to respect his shooting. He's shooting really well from three. Um, and then obviously he's a good passer, et cetera, et cetera. So, you can use him in ways off ball. He's not going to be devastating. But I guess really here's the big thing. They need to get do some stuff to make life easier on Blake Griffin. And, you know, in essence, this is a less dramatic way of me saying what you said in your rant last time we talked about how they're going to run Blake Griffin into the ground and Blake Griffin's going to get hurt. Uh, I'm really worried about the workload he's taking on. He's got an absurd usage rate, and it's not just the usage rate. It's that he has to work so hard for all of his buckets. So I'd like to see them do more stuff to try and make his life easier. So I guess so like with the off-ball stuff. So structure some things into the offense 
to try and get Blake Griffin deep post-up position. Like, run a couple off-ball screens, um, you know, have him run across the floor while Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond start a pick-and-roll, right? And then have him kind of dive in when the defense starts to react to the pick-and-roll so they shade away from him. Have him dive in right to the low block, for instance. So then you can pass it to him, and he doesn't have to back his way all the way down. He has the ball right there. He can flip it up. He can pass it. He can do his stuff right from there. Um, that kind of a thing. So I think that would be helpful to the offense, and that would be helpful long-term to the team. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the main things, I guess. Um, I think what we'll finish off with, um, unless you've got something else you want to add, if you want to add something else on to the end of this, then go ahead. But I just, I just want to say one thing. Okay, go ahead. Uh, for all the people that are saying... Um, you can't, you can't, and this, you know, I'll, I'll say this. This is somewhat of a, of a shot at our friend Sham. This is, this is for the people who believe like this. That, that you can't, you can't take the ball out of Blake's hands because then, oh, we're going to take the ball out of Blake's hands and then you're going to have someone else who's not as good as Blake do something that just doesn't, then you're not optimizing Blake as much. No. What you're doing is giving Blake a damn rest to where he's not going to die. And well, and once again, go ahead. You can finish. You, you're using the team. It's you're using the whole team to its fullest potential. Because you can't just have one person doing everything. Using other people and letting other people touch the ball does not mean that you're not using Blake as much. It just means you're optimizing your whole roster and the whole starting lineup. Not just that's what needs to happen with the Pistons because everything is prioritized. Blake, every single thing on the offense is literally Blake, 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 Blake. And it's just, and you're not going to be, I don't think the Pistons are going to win either way because of how bad Dwayne Casey is. But if you want to have a chance at win, if you want to have a chance at winning, you're not going to be able to win by just living off of one person carrying you each in, each night out there on offense. You have to let other people get involved. Have to let, it doesn't even, you can have Blake, like Joe said, you can have Blake playing off ball and still have him involved in the basketball game. The dude doesn't need the ball in his hands 99.99% of the time to be impactful on offense. Like, this doesn't have to be like that. I know that may be too hard for Dwayne Casey to understand, but it's just, it is what it is. You just can't have it like that. We're not going to win like that. So that's all I got to say to what Joe said. Well, okay. So, like, I'm not even necessarily saying that they have to have less of the less of the offense even run through Blake Griffin. Like, I'm not saying that he should shoot the ball less or that he should have less stuff run for him even, necessarily. Um, now, I think it would be healthy to shift some of the offense. Once again, we've talked about it a billion times. I think it would be healthy to shift some of the offense towards the um, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond pick and roll. But even if they're not going to do that, which I think it's pretty fair to say, they're not going to at this point. For me, this is as much as anything else. This is a practical thing to keep Blake Griffin healthy and to not kill him is, you know, you don't, it's like, he's not just, it's not just that his usage rate is huge. Like, I don't remember exactly what the numbers are, but, like, he's he leads the NBA by far in, like, time of possession, like how long he has the ball in his hands, in total um, touches, how often he gets the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it literally can just be as simple as run a couple of things before giving Blake the ball, to give him the ball in a better situation, right? So that even if you have him do the exact same amount of stuff, you're having him carry the same workload, 
He's taking the same amount of shots, etc., etc. The same amount of possessions are running through him in the end. Just do a little bit to make his life a little bit easier, um, because I think that will that will benefit them long term. Uh, because it'll it'll just it'll help Blake Griffin not get hurt. It'll help keep Blake Griffin healthy, and that's that's important. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, if Blake Griffin gets hurt, then they're really sunk. Although, once again. Maybe maybe that would be best for them because it would let them just totally throw it in the tank for this season. Um, but so I think the last thing that I kind of want to wanna touch on here, I guess. Um, I was going to say something, but now I'm starting to forget it already. I totally forgot what I was going to say. I had it in mind, and then you started talking, and I forgot it. <laughs> That's just how it be sometimes, I guess. Uh, My fault. No, it's okay. It's all right. If we, if I like wrote down our ideas or anything or did any sort of preparation beforehand, this wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> I mean, I hope all of our listeners can just see that this is a, at least you guys can hear it from me. This is a broke man over here. This is this is a this is a a broken man, and just the tone of this podcast is just as Joe said. Joe tries to be a positive person. This is. The most doom and gloomy podcast I think we've done. This is there's a that's just the tone of the Detroit Pistons right now. I mean, yeah, it's it's fair to say that. Um, okay, here's one thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna say. So this was tweeted out. Um, I don't remember if it was earlier today or if it was yesterday. I'm trying to find it because I retweeted it, so it's in my it's in my timeline here. Um, okay, so this is tweeted out by Andrew Bailey, who's a good Twitter follow, by the way, for anybody who doesn't follow him. He's at Andrew D. Bailey. Um, so he do, does these threads every pretty regularly where he'll just go through a whole bunch of... He's, he's a guy who's a real stats nerd. Um, and he'll just go through a bunch of stats and just pick out interesting things, okay? So wins over replacement player is a very flawed stat. Obviously, um, it's, you know, for all kinds of reasons. So this is not the end-all, be-all. But Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and ironically Zaza Pachulia have a combined 9.7 wins over replacement player. The rest of the Pistons roster has a combined minus 1.1 wins over replacement player. Ouch. <laughs> Like, that is really bad. Really bad. And it kind of paints a picture of where they're at. Um, oh, I, that reminds me, I remember what my last point that I wanted to say was. Is that even though this season appears to be going in a... It's on the verge of completely going in the tubes. It's already going down. Um, the ship is sinking. It'll take a dramatic turn for things to stop. And while it's worth remembering that pretty much every season there's some team that is in that struggles like the Pistons have, and then around halfway through the year they really get going. Um, the Pelicans did that last season. Um, the I don't know. I'm not gonna go through and recall them all, but like I remember a few years ago the Nets did that. They were like they're like. 10 games See, under. See, the difference, 
the difference with the the, Net, the Pelicans last year is that they actually made a move. They they got Nikola Mirotic and then Boogie Boogie went out and Nikola Mirotic ended up being a better fit with Anthony Davis. Unless the Pistons do something, just something. Well, okay. So out. here's the thing, right? So first off, as it's been started to be proven this season. Oh, also, by the way, can we just say something a sec? The Kings won the Demarcus Cousins trade. Like that's official. I mean, you know we're not the first ones to say that, but because everyone, including me, by the way, everyone was knocking that trade at the time and making fun of the Kings, and they there is absolutely no denying it. And I mean, it's a little bit unfair to the Pelicans because obviously Boogie got hurt and such, but they won that trade. They they definitely have come out on top. Look. Thank you for bringing that up because this person deserves a well shout out. One of my friends, his name is Dayon. He told me at the time that the, the Kings were going to win this trade, that Buddy Hill was going to be real good, and that the Kings were going to win this trade. I told him he was crazy. I laughed at him, told him he was insane, and now he is definitely correct. So I'm going to give him respect for being right about that when I was wrong. But, yes, the Kings clearly won that trade. I'm, I've become a really big – I became a fan of – I read something before this season about uh, Buddy Hill being capable of being a 50-40-90 in the 50-40-90 club. And I read I read on him in that article, and I started reading more about him, and I became a real fan of him before the season. I really like this dude's game. So, I, I like, I'm okay with saying I was wrong because I really do like Buddy Hill. Yep. And um, our friend John Zuck is a Kings fan, so we feel we're happy for him too. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I'm not sure why. I must just have an attraction to miserable franchises, but um, I haven't watched as I admit I've not watched as much as many games on League Pass this season as I have the past few. But the Kings have pretty consistently been one of my West Coast teams, you know, because obviously they're on late at night. So I I've watched a lot of Kings games over the past few years um, while I'm doing my recaps and stuff like that. So it's really cool that they've won some games, and um, for what it's worth, they won the trade. As much as anything, just because clearly the Pelicans didn't win it. You know, once again, I mean, Boogie's gone now, and he didn't act really do that much for them. So, um, but, yeah. Uh, what was I about to say? Oh, Nikola Miritich. Um, and the, so the Pelicans, like, we're seeing it this year, right? Nikola Miritich wasn't actually just the secret, like, oh, now it all works all of a sudden. It was Anthony Davis started playing better. Drew Holiday started really getting going. Like teams, sometimes teams just start to play better. And, you know, the Pistons could make a minor move. Maybe that, maybe that's what they need to do to start keying it. Maybe not, whatever. But I'm just saying, every single season, pretty much, there is at least one or two teams that really flip their fates around halfway through the season, it seems like. So. That's why I'm just saying the ship is sinking. They would have to be one of those teams who makes a sort of dramatic turn of events, but it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities is all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to say there. Um, And then here's what I kind of want to leave people with is that as bleak, as bleak as things look, there are some things here that are sort of starting to come together a little bit. And (laughs) emphasis on a little bit, but there's some things that are like, you know, there's, there's maybe some, they may be kind of finding something that kind of works here. 
Um, so first and foremost is the new starting lineup. Um, I'm going to get up the exact numbers for it here because they should have the... They should have the updated... Because the NBA stats um, site usually is pretty good about updating the stats very quickly. So the new starting lineup, which is Reggie Jackson, Reggie Bullock, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, has now played 161 minutes. Offensive rating, 113.4. Defensive rating, 99.4. That's a net rating of plus 14. That includes tonight's game. Um... And there's a lot that's good there. There's a lot that suggests that it can work. Um, I'm not totally sure why Bruce Brown as a starter is working that well, but it is. Um, and when you think about that's been a real bugaboo for the Pistons so far this season, um, is finding a consistent starting lineup. And there's a sign that maybe they've got that there at the very least. Uh, which, you know, that's a... <laughs> That's a small silver lining to take, but it is something. And then here's the other thing that you have to, that I have to remind people of, okay? And that is that there is a foundation here that can work for the Pistons, okay? So the Pistons overall, their net rating as a team is like minus 2.2 or something like that, right? Per 100 possessions. Um, I'm going to get the exact number back up here a sec to make sure that I get it right. Overall, as a team, the Pistons' net rating is minus 2.4, which is 21st in the NBA. Kukil, when Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond share the floor, the Pistons' alleged all-star duo, what do you think is the Pistons' net rating? Plus 2.3. Oh, you must have it up. <laughs> Wait, was that for real? Yeah, plus 2.3. That was a random guess. Yeah, nice. Good guess, right? So, you know, it's a little bit stupid to make that comparison, but overall, right, so if hypothetically, if the Pistons played Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin all 48 minutes every night and they could do that, that would put the Pistons at the ninth best net rating in the NBA, right between the San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz. And that's especially impressive to consider how bad their overall numbers are. Like, that's literally a difference of, like, four points per 100 possessions, which is, that's huge. Like, four points per 100 possessions, okay, if you go, so the Pistons are at minus four. And, yeah, that's literally the difference between the Pistons are 23rd that's the difference between being 23rd and 9th in the NBA. That's how big a difference that is. And so it's sort of that idea that now maybe they're going to trade Andre Drummond. Who knows? If they keep losing, I would say they could do a lot of different things, and some of it may be drastic. But first off, those are the two things I want to leave people with so that there's at least a little bit of positivity here. Um, first off is that it looks like they may have found something in the starting lineup, which if they are going to pull this season away from the brink, stop the ship from sinking, um, that's something that they have that they had to do is find some stabilization for the starting lineup. And it looks like they may have found that. And so hypothetically, you can say, okay, so they've got that. Ish Smith should be back 
before too long, maybe he comes back and stabilizes the bench units, and you can do something then, maybe. Then That is the Pistons' best hope. And then the bigger picture then is just the basic idea of that. The foundational core of this team, right, of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, that can work. There's real good evidence now to say that that can work. So even if this season is going to be totally down the drains and it's like we need to totally rejigger everything around this, um, you know, there's some hope that they could make that work with better pieces around the rest of it. So that's what I want to leave people with as something a little bit positive. Ku, if you have anything that you'd like to say that's even a little bit positive. I just have one question for you. Yeah, what's that? I'm putting Joe on the spot right now. I want I want a yes or no answer. I just want your your best guess right here. No, I don't want to hear a no. I can't hear the logic or anything. Okay. I just want a yes or no, your okay. best guess. Do the Pistons make a trade of any significance before the trade deadline? I mean, what counts as any significance? Okay, I'm going to name these names. If they Tell me if you think they'll trade any of these people. Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock, Stanley Johnson, Langston Galloway. A lot will depend on if they start winning at all. They Um, don't start. Let's say they play 500 basketball the rest of the way. 500 basketball the rest of the way. Yes. I'd say one of those guys is going to get traded. I would say unless, unless things start to go really well, um including both of those guys playing really well. I think one of Reggie Bullock or Stanley Johnson is going to get traded. I I think that's going to happen. Um, because, so the I think the only way that both of those guys were going to make it through this whole season was if they were both playing well and the team was playing really well to the point that you just say, you know what, we're probably going to lose one of these guys for nothing this offseason, but it's working really well right now, so we're just going to take that shot. Right, that would be the basic idea behind it, but they're not winning. Obviously, Stanley Johnson's playing poorly. Um, the brief moment of oh, Stanley Johnson off the bench may actually be a really good thing, and it may really work. That's kind of been extinguished. Um, so I think I would guess one of those two guys is going to get traded. If they keep losing a bunch, I wouldn't be shocked if Smith gets traded. Um, I would say, here, we, that's one thing we can say to finish up here. Um, Blake Griffin's not going anywhere. They will not trade him. Um, first off, I don't know how much value he'd have. Teams would take him, obviously. He's playing at a, you know, he's playing at an all-NBA level, um, so you could trade him, but just because of his contract, it'd be tricky. Uh, but I, there, every indication we've heard is that the Pistons and Tom Gores has no interest in totally tearing it down and rebuilding um, and has no interest in moving on from Blake Griffin. So Blake Griffin's not going anywhere. And while there's a better chance of Andre Drummond getting traded than Blake Griffin, I would say there's a very low chance of that as well. Um, I think that they're pretty committed to the idea of those two guys as the foundations of the team. That's one of the reasons that I bring up the fact that with them both on the floor together, it actually mostly works. Um, So, yeah, so that's the basic point there. Um, 
I would guess probably, though, that one of Reggie Bullock or Stanley Johnson gets traded. Right now, it certainly looks like Stanley Johnson would be the more likely one. Um, he's just the guy that makes the most sense at this point. He's not playing that well. Um, he's fairly He'd be fairly expendable from the rotation at this point. Um, and he'd be your best shot to trade to a team and try and get a rotational caliber player back, right? Um, you'd trade him to some team that wants a young player to take a flyer on him, and you try and get a guy who can play at least a little bit back. Uh, so I'd probably guess Stanley Johnson, but it could also be Bullock. It could be Ishmith. Um, but, yeah, I would say if I had to guess, I would guess they're going to make some sort of a move. Um, they'll probably try to make a big one if they keep losing because we know that they don't want to be losing. And... I honestly, I almost hope that they don't manage to because, I mean, look, I'm kind of with you. I think almost no matter what they can do, I think with Dwayne Casey as coach right now, it's not going to work. And I'm a little bit terrified of the idea that they're going to throw away a significant future asset to try and make it work this season, and I think it's not going to. I think there's no way that this is going to work this year with Dwayne Casey. Um, so I hope that they, I almost hope that they don't make a really big trade. Um, but you know, there's hypothetically, there's some that could work there. What? I didn't hear what you said. Uh, your, your mic came unplugged. <laughs> All right, you're back. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, can I make my prediction? Yeah. Before we end this, uh, I actually don't believe... And and before I say, let me finish because everyone's gonna think this this is for. Uh, I actually don't think Stanley's gonna get traded. I don't think he has much value. That's why. Um, and like Joe said, once again, this isn't me being a Stan Stanley. Me being a Stan Stanley would be saying I want him traded. I think he best for him is for him to get out of here. And uh, I don't think he's gonna be traded. Uh. I've been convinced by multiple that salary cap wise, it just makes better sense for him since he's going to be cheap and we have barely any money. So I don't think he's going to be the one that goes. I think I wrote before this year that this would be his last chance. While it very may well be, I think it's looking more and more since the salary cap, the way the salary cap's built that he may have the beginning of next season to uh, do something. But I don't think it's going to be Stanley. I think that we, if we do make a trade, I'm very worried. I, the thing I'm worried the most about is that we're going to trade Luke Kennard. And if we do trade Luke Kennard, it better be for – me and Joe have talked about this off the pod before. But if we trade Luke Kennard, I'm looking at someone that raises our ceiling. Because, like, Joe, I don't really care. I think that no matter what we do this season with Dwayne Casey this year, it's just not going to work. So I'm thinking of a player that raises our ceiling next year or has the potential to raise our ceiling then since you're giving up a person who is our future asset. So I think the thing I'm worried the most about is Luke Kennard being traded. My prediction is that Liv Smith gets traded. That's that's my final prediction. But I'm I'm, I'm getting very worried that Luke Kennard will be the one picked to be traded. Well, you know, (laughs) here's the thing that also – worries me, okay, is that if the Pistons go into the deadline as buyers 
And uh, so think about the fact that Justin Holiday got back two second round picks for his for him. Okay. Justin Holiday's a good player, but like he's not that good. And if he's getting back two second round picks, I'm not sure that I really want the Pistons sniffing around a lot of these guys because I don't want to give up any picks at all. I don't want to give up like I'm worried that to get even a guy like Justin Holiday, like, you know, a competent rotational wing. Which, you know, I like Justin Holiday. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a good player, but that's kind of what he is. He's he's a fairly competent rotational wing. He's not great at anything. He just he mostly kind of does stuff. Is I'm worried that to get a guy like that, it might cost Luke Kennard. And I don't want that. I would See, rather not... I'd rather just say, nope, not gonna we're gonna hope this works out with these wings rather than give up Luke Kennard for Justin Holiday. You know? See, I don't, I don't, I don't. In my future, in what I predict in my head, and what I'm seeing, I don't see the Pistons making a trade for. If they make a trade, I don't think it's going to be for just someone like that. I think if they do make a trade this year, it's going to be something that's like a save the season kind of thing, and it's going to be big. Yeah. So and, and and big, as in big, I mean, well, okay, not big because it'd be one of those bigger splashes. Like, let me, like my minimum, I believe, would be like Marco Fultz kind of thing. That would be the minimum if they were to make a trade that kind of big of a splash to where it's like in the news and raise it's it's potentially raising a ceiling. I don't see us making a trade just for some wing person. If we do make a trade, I think it's gonna be one of those things to save a season. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I would just uh, I would. Uh, I just guess that they're going to make a move because we know that they don't want to be losing. And so unless they really start to turn it around, which I basically your hope has to be that this new starting lineup thing is going to stick and then Ishmith comes back soon and he stabilizes the bench enough to make the bench good again because once again, with Ishmith, the bench was pretty good. So that's why I was going to say, I think I, that's why I told you earlier that I think Smith is the best hope. Yeah. So that that's pretty much what your hope has to be is this starting lineup sticks. Ishmith doesn't get like, uh, there's no complications. He's able to come back. I don't know when exactly he's supposed to get back. It should only be like another week or so. Right. I believe last week, uh, we were told he was going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Okay. So he'll be reevaluated again in like a week then. Um, yeah, so hypothetically, could be not too much longer. So you basically have to hope them they get lucky, basically, um, and manage to stay afloat until he gets back. And then the starting lineup is a, is a real thing going forward that's going to stick. Ishmith comes back, makes the bench good again which it was when he was playing with it, and they're able to go on a run from there. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in that, but that's kind of what you have to hope for. Um, and that's actually something I do, see. So me and Joe disagree on something. I, that's actually something I do have quite a bit of faith in. I believe that if Ish Smith comes back, the bench is going to stabilize. If he comes back, okay. Like, okay. If he I think the bench back, will like, stabilize, but here's the problem. 
Dwayne Case is going to try and play Ishmith 30 minutes a game. <laughs> Ishmith can stabilize the bench. He's not going to he's not going to fix everything else though. Playing him 30 minutes a game so they'll it'll probably ruin the starting lineup goodness. Okay, so see, so fair enough. See, this is why I mean Joe. See, I try to get involved and I try to just be hopeful. And, uh, and then it just comes back to Dwayne Casey. Here's the other thing, okay? And this is actually, this is a thing that should scare Pistons fans more than anything else, all right? So they are, their net rating is 23rd in the NBA. All right, I'm going to bring this up a second, okay? So if you go from, when did the season start? Let's go back. Uh, Mid-October. Let's go back in time. October 17. So if you go back from the start of the season to... We'll say right before this terrible losing streak started, all right? So we'll go to December 1, where they beat the Warriors. Remember that? Good times. Beat the Warriors, and we're like, yeah. huh? There's real stuff happening here. Stanley Johnson played a good game. Yeah, he game. did. He I played an awesome game. That. Right? Um, well, it was actually pretty good at that point. Early in the season, we need to find a different mark. Because <laughs> it actually was pretty good. So we'll go back to the Toronto win. Even earlier in the season, their net rating was kind of, kind of, bleh. Um, so we'll go back from the to the Toronto win. All right, so November um, 14. All right. So after the Toronto win, where did you think the Pistons ranked in net rating in the NBA? 16. 19th. And you remember at that point, it was funny because, like, a lot of people were kind of like, you know, this is pretty rickety. And there were some people in particular, ah, I remember Vince Ellis. Some people, be he accused me of teeth gnashing when I was like, this is pretty rickety. And he's like, you know, Last year, people were complaining about not winning enough games. This year, people are complaining about not winning games by enough. And it's like, no, it's not that we're upset that they're not winning by enough. It's like, you can only win so many games by the skin of your teeth. Your margin for error is small. And that's the worry, is that... Now, obviously, after that, though... So then they went on the winning streak, where they beat a bunch of really bad teams... They beat Cleveland. They beat Houston when Houston was still broken. They beat Phoenix. They beat the Knicks. They beat Chicago. And then they beat the Warriors, right? So they went on a string against bad teams, and they beat them, right? And then they actually, their net rating was pretty good. But early in the season, when things were going well, they'd beaten a few pretty good teams. Their net rating was still, like, overall, the, it wasn't actually that good. There were some indications that this team was about this good then, Right? And that's the thing that should scare Pistons fans as much as anything, is that it's not necessarily even that the Pistons have played so much worse. It's actually a little bit like the numbers are just kind of catching up with them to an extent. And that's what should scare the Pistons fans as much as anything, is that, like, Ishmith may do very little to help, right? Like, when Ishmith was healthy and playing, he... They were about the same level that they're at now. So that's the thing that should worry Pistons fans as much as anything. But once again, we're trying to finish positive, though. So the starting lineup, we may have something there. 
Bruce Brown's play is something that everybody should be happy about. Um, a pleasant surprise. It's nice for something you didn't expect to happen to happen good for the Pistons for once. Um, and then the other thing I think that I hope people are willing to do is even through this losing is to appreciate how absurdly good Blake Griffin is because that guy is absurdly good. He's doing things out there that are bona fidely absurd. And, you know, there's a decent chance that he may be amazing for a couple of years here on some bad teams. And that would really be too bad for him. I would feel very bad for him in that case. But I hope at the very least that those of us who are watching are able to put everything at least a little bit to the side to be like, this dude is phenomenal because he is phenomenal. So, yeah, if you want to add anything to the end of their coup, go ahead. Otherwise, we'll wrap up. The rain case is awful. Okay. All right, so make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Um, Follow us on Twitter. And, yeah, stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.